Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Paychecks Business Series podcast. I'm Gene Marks, and today I spoke to Wade Conlon. Wade works uh, for Hanson Professional Services, Inc. He is the Commissioning and Energy Discipline Manager at that company. You don't know what that means? Neither did I until I spoke with Wade, and he explains it all, don't worry. But what's important about our conversation is he talks about buildings and energy efficiency. What's going to happen, potentially, with President Biden's infrastructure plan? But more importantly, what you can expect and what you need to know about your your office to make it a safe and energy efficient place post-COVID as your employees start coming back to it. Wade's got some advice for us and some stories to share. So, all right, everybody. So I'm here with Wade Collin. Now, Wade's title, as I said in our introduction, is the Commissioning and Energy Discipline Manager at Hanson Professional Services. So, Wade, first question I'm going to have. First of all, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Yes, and uh, so the commissioning and energy discipline manager, and I want you to know, I just had a big turkey sandwich for lunch. I'm not feeling a whole lot of energy right now. Can you help me with this, or does that mean <laughs> something completely different? It means something different. I also had turkey, turkey and cheese, great sandwich. So, okay. <laughs> uh, But commissioning is really meant for uh, the built environment where you are taking uh, the different systems, whether it be air conditioning, power, lighting, and making sure that it's set up properly uh, that it meets the owner's intent that it's going to operate and provide the right environment in the building for IAQ comfort, as well as for its energy consumption. Got it. So um, what is, what is your background then to do that job? Are you an engineer, you know, by yes. training? Yes. Well, I'm a mechanical engineer. Uh, I've been, I'm licensed in a handful of different states. I started out, uh, doing, um, mechanical design, uh, HVAC systems early on. And then, uh, throughout my career, I just ended up having to being part of the solutions to different problems or technical uh, designs, which led it into commissioning. Because in essence, you're you're troubleshooting systems, whether it's in design or whether it's in operation, and you're you're solving problems. And it's sure. Where are you based out of, Wade? I'm located in Orlando, Florida. Um, our office is just north of Orlando. Right. It's, it, just, it just makes me laugh because, I mean, you do exactly what my son does. He's a mechanical engineer. He works for a big engineering firm in Philly, and he's all about HVAC systems and, you know, making jokes about them. But the field that you're in is, uh, it's, I mean, I think, I think this kid's like you, has got job security forever, right? I mean, this is a hot field. Right. I mean, I, you know, it's, it, I mean, he's in Philadelphia. He's in a great spot. That's where I grew up. Um, oh, okay. and, I, and I think about the, the concept of it all is when I grew up, half the buildings had air conditioning yeah. you know a lot of buildings were just those big radiators with opening and windows and that is far and few between these days and so um and and then it's an energy piece to it as well right not not just in terms of keeping people comfortable but trying to make sure that they're safe and that the less energy is being used so there's there's constant improvement that can be made in this field so yeah. kudos to your son he chose well yeah, he did actually. He stumbled into it, but he loves it. He loves the work. Um, so tell, what is Hanson Professional Services? How big a firm are you guys? What do you guys do? Um, what should my audience know about them? As uh, These are business owners. So Hanson is uh, about a 500-person uh, engineering, consulting engineering firm. Uh, the bulk of the work tends to be on the civil side, so more hmm. uh, roadway, aviation, you know, runways and, and the, the, the flat areas, uh, a rail like major interchanges for rail yards and those kind of things. Uh, there's other pieces that go into it. You know, then there's the side that I'm in, which is more of the mechanical and electrical and plumbing design, plus the commissioning and energy. So we're a little bit more into the built environment. We're actually part of the facilities practice. Um, what's really cool about Hanson is it's employee owned. Um, 
and uh, no one is allowed to own more than 4% of the company. So mm. our leadership truly is based on your ability to be a leader um, and not necessarily how many shares you have. And that goes, you know, our CEO, uh, Satch, has been with us 40 plus years and he was never allowed to own more than that. That is great. It's a, boy, that's a employee-owned companies is a whole other topic for this podcast for another time. But um, and it's actually it's interesting because that yeah, I mean I could see bringing you back to talk about that because there there are pros and cons. But I think overall, if it's set up the right way, they could be really um, a great organization to work at. Let's talk about buildings though. Okay, so um, obviously, as you and I are talking right now, everybody's still working from home or they're starting to dribble back into the office. And you know, you know, I walk through downtown Philly and it's you know, it's still a ghost town, you know, all the big companies that are there have already told their you know, workers, we're, we're going to come back maybe in the summer, maybe in the fall. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about the, the buildings themselves. What do you think companies are going to be doing, Wade, um, to in the future to adapt their offices to like sort of a post COVID environment? What are you hearing from your customers and your clients? A lot of that really stems, and, and there's a part of that that comes under more of a space planning and, and management needs coming from the higher up in the organization, which is how many people are we going to have in a building, right? Yep. And that starts to get into space use, which is not necessarily the engineering side. We kind of react to, to those needs and, and those parts and pieces. And I think that is going to be a big conversation. Um, for existing buildings, what that could mean is that you have reduced occupancy, which means that the amount of outdoor air that your systems are designed for may be a lot more than you really need to, to, to operate under non-pandemic conditions, right? And so there's a potential where those would have to be uh, upgraded or, or you know, uh, uh, improved. Right. And there's the new buildings where you're going to start to see people actually design in for a lot of the things that are being done now, such as better filters, the ability to increase or decrease my outside air for a pandemic. They start to be a little bit more resilient based. Um, and, and one of the, the interesting things that we talk about is that office buildings and a lot of buildings were built to keep people out of the elements and to use the least amount of energy possible while maintaining comfort. But if you look at a hospital or a laboratory, they're built to keep people safe. They're built then for comfort and then, hey, please use the least amount of energy. Right. So a lot of these buildings, we're trying to adjust to, to run them more like a hospital or more like a laboratory and increase that level of safety. And so I think what's going to be really interesting is the designers that adapt to the ability for the system to be flexible and to use and operate in non-pandemic mode and be energy efficient and then be able to be adaptable and adjust press of a button through building automation system controls to say, hey, we need a heightened sense of indoor air quality uh, based on things occurring, right? And that can occur for not even not pandemic. <laughs> the, the forest fires out west, uh, pollen season, um, it, those sort of different things that the outdoor air quality can actually impact your indoor air quality. So I, I think buildings are going to be a lot more dynamic when it comes to indoor air quality. I'm kind of curious, like, you know, you, you had to have been having these conversations before the pandemic, right? I mean, people were concerned about air quality. This isn't like a new thing. Are you hearing now your customers coming back to you and saying, we got to make even more changes because of the, I mean, will this, will the pandemic really have that long lasting impact on the design of new buildings and, you know, sort of the retrofitting of existing offices? I think it will. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's going to go out and change the code requirements, 
But when you look at something like a filter, right? MERV 13, that's what you, you need to use MERV 13, ASHRAE recommends it, or some combination thereof. State of California, that's already its code minimum, hmm. right? So eventually that filtration level is going to increase. Now, what's more important for building owners with that filtration level is making sure it gets installed well, right? So that becomes part of that maintenance portion of training and preventative maintenance because I could not, you know, it's kind of like with a mask. You see people without it over their nose. You kind of think to yourself, well, why do you have it on, right? right. So if you don't really filter all the air. What, what are you doing? And so, um, so I think some of those things will definitely uh, come into play. I know one of the ASHRAE Epidemic Task Force's goals was to figure out how to incorporate the information we're creating into its handbooks and standards and guidelines that kind of set the standard of care, whether, not necessarily to be code, but so it doesn't get forgotten. And if you think back to, uh, you know, uh, early 2000s with the anthrax scares, a lot of federal buildings changed all how they brought in air and, and the processes. And then it sort of went away when that ended, right? So the goal here is to say, there's probably going to be another epidemic, potentially another pandemic, as we move forward, let's make sure our buildings are flexible enough to adjust to it so not everyone is scrambling uh, quite how they are now, right? Um, and then that can be done pretty simply through design without really impacting cost at a whole, whole lot. You know, if you, and by the way, if I, if I throw you a curveball here, by all means, we can, you know, don't feel free, you know, you don't have to answer it if you don't know, but I kinda, I'm kind of curious, like the, during the whole pandemic, people continue to travel, the airline industry continued you know, the, you know, on fine. And, and really, we really did not hear reports of, you know, flight attendants and people on planes, you know, you know, getting COVID and, you know, you know, dropping on the floor. I mean, the, the ventilation in the airplanes were, um, I, I think it's safe to say have been have been you know, superior and have been a big reason why, um, you know, you know, it's been safe to fly. Um, and, I, and I'm wondering what your comments are on that and why our buildings can't be the same, or maybe they are, you know? There, there's a huge difference, and, I, and that's a great example with airplanes. Uh, commercial aircraft typically move about 20 to 30 air changes per hour. Okay. They bring in a small percentage of outdoor air, just like a building does. And they utilize HEPA filtration, which removes 99.97% of particulate at its worst particle size, right? So... Commercial buildings, and I understand a HEPA filter uh, uh, versus what you typically see in a building, which is like a MERV-8 filter, the pressure difference, pressure drop difference between them is about 0.7. The other thing is the HEPA filter takes typically more than a foot or two feet more of equipment space. So it's operating cost and installed cost. As right. far as the air changes, I said 20 to 30 air changes, most peak cooling, right, summertime peak cooling, you're moving air is, a, is about six, maybe eight air changes per hour. Okay. That's if you're moving all of the air at a peak cooling. So when you see, right. you know, every once in a while you hear the air speed up or slow down, well, it's only at eight at call it peak for a typical office building or classroom. So to get it to that other level, now you're getting more, that's beyond what laboratories do in terms of protection. So the operational cost and infrastructure cost for those systems would be, be a lot larger. I got it. Okay. All right. That's a great answer. Um, 
What do, what do you expect you know, as far as seeing changes to buildings going forward? And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about mandated stuff, you know, with a you know potential infrastructure bill. But um, I'm hearing that you know there is there's definitely a move towards more outdoor spaces. Uh, there's a move towards more contactless, you know, buildings. Obviously, you know, there, there's a move for just um, you know just just having more of um, um, less surfaces, you know, to touch or you know. Tell us what your thoughts are on on where you see those changes going, and also where you see um, you know how how you know, if businesses have to be proactive with these changes, or they'll be mandated to do it. So for the for the longest time with this, you know, I say CDC and World Health Organization were driving that the the through touch was one of the main drivers for how this was virus was contracted. Mm -hmm. Recently, you've come out to find and hear, hear that they're saying, no, that airborne is now the predominant pathway for right. this type of virus. Right. There's different pathways for each. It doesn't mean that the other doesn't exist, right? right? And so when you start to go touchless, it's meant more for what they call fomite or you touch and then I touch and then I put it into my eyeball, right? right. Um, that is a huge thing. Now, part of that also gives people a comfort because they understand that, right? You know, it's, it's one of those things. You don't really try and grab the bathroom handle door in a public restroom. True. And it, whether it's clean, someone just sanitized it or not, you still don't because it's <laughs> a mental thing. And so a lot of being in a building is about the personal comfort, the mental comfort of that individual. So I could see touchless. And, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to travel around the world and, and do a lot of different things. And uh, Hong Kong has some phenomenal. You walk by, scan your badge. It tells you which elevator to get on. You get on that elevator. You touch zero buttons, zero doors. It gets to your floor. You walk out. And if right. I could interrupt you, is I mean, Hong Kong and a lot of Asian co countries, they've been dealing with COVID and SARS for many years. So I'm assuming that's had an impact on their design of their buildings. A absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, also, their plumbing venting. Uh, you know, unfortunately, these viruses pass through you. So there's a lot of studies that show that the, the plumbing venting can play a, uh, uh, wow. you know, a, a tr uh, tracing uh, that that infection pathway, if you will. Um, and so, yeah, they are a bit ahead in that in that realm. Um, it's also kind of why you see they, they put masks on when they don't feel well or if they're not sure they're feeling well because they've dealt with, you know, swine flu yep. and SARS and now SARS-CoV-2. They're a lot more mentally prepared for the we have to protect ourselves um, and help others and protect them, too. Um, but so it has risen their, I guess, technology in terms of touchless, right? You, right. And there's a lot of things that can happen with that. You can do lighting. You can do uh, temperature controls. You can do occupancy. You can do a lot of different things with touchless. Um, you know, bathrooms started heading in that direction. I have a feeling you're going to start to see people build uh, disinfecting uh, bathrooms. Like, and so instead of having just a partition stalls that aren't full height, mm -hmm. separate rooms that between uses, you can just disinfect. Mm -hmm. um, and build that comfort of the individual in the building. That's really what's going to get people back. That's good. Um, going forward, uh, just a few more questions for you. I know we've got limited time, but um, you know, President Biden has proposed his infrastructure plan. Um, I got to imagine, Wade, like you're, you know, you are smacking your lips at this because this is like, you know, it's going to keep mechanical engineers busy for lifetimes, I'm sure. Um, what do you guys, you know, I'm sure you're keeping close eye on on the progress of, of what he's proposed. And, you know, I do believe that something will happen. There will be some type of infrastructure deal. Um, what do you think is going to be in this infrastructure bill as far as how it will pertain to buildings and what businesses should know? Like, what, what do you, how do you expect your job to be in the next, you know, five to 10 years? 
I, I think this bill, you know, obviously it's it's his it's his plan right now. It needs right. to become a bill through Congress. So we'll see what it ends up as. Right. Um, but his plan holds true. It greatly impacts the built environment. You know, he's considering buildings as part of in, as part of infrastructure. Um, his goal is to try and make sure that buildings are uh, uh, safer, mm-hmm. um, that they are uh, uh, more energy efficient. Uh, they are less energy reliant, meaning that they could be more self-sustaining when it comes to electricity and, and other sources. Um, it specifically states that if it's a federally funded building, he wants it built uh, better than code, right? We always hear the joke about the, the aircraft or spacecraft that was built to the, for the lowest bidder. Um, well, that's what co- building codes are. That's your lowest, that's your bare minimum that you have to do. Right. Um, and you know, ASHRAE has a 90.1, which is the energy, uh, is an energy standard, which is actually the federal energy code. But they also have standard 189, which is really the high performing buildings energy code and in, in, in IEQ. And so that's what he's pushing towards. And so uh, from that perspective, it's going to be able to help a lot of different buildings, healthcare, childcare facilities, schools, uh, that those type of uh, facilities improve. Um, and I think, I think it's with this pandemic, we were going to push in that direction. I think this bill is just going to expedite that. Right. All right. That's really helpful. Um, final question for you, and it's kind of a multi-part answer I think you can give is, um, um, let's try and leave everybody with at least some practical advice. Okay. So, you know, in your years of, of working, you know, in the world of energy efficiency and HVAC and cooling and heating, um, what, what advice do you have for people running their own offices to run them as, as efficiently, you know, energy efficiently as possible? And remember, that's, that's clearly that's good for the environment, but we're business owners here. We like to save money too. So what, what advice would you, would you have? And what do you normally think when you walk into an office like they should be doing this or that or the other thing? There's a lot of it. I mean, and, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to retro commission over 60 million square, foot of pro- square feet of property around the world. Uh, with the, the most of the eye is towards making it more energy efficient. Um, we also do try and include things that would make it safer for the maintenance facilities or staff. Um, in a pandemic mode, right, when I walk in right now, what I'm looking at is, are your systems bringing in code outdoor air? Well, that, they should be able to do that non-pandemic as well. Right. Um, what level of filtration do you have and how well is it installed? And can we incorporate other proven technology air cleaners into that? so that you can achieve the levels that ASHRAE is talking about, right? And that's what the, the main focus is when you're dealing with a building today. Now, we're also looking for energy efficiency, right? Mm-hmm. And so what you always think about is, I, I always use, love using rules of thumb, right? So if I have a fan motor that's, and, and, and I run it all year long, at eight cents a kilowatt hour, that's $500 a year. So when I walk into a building, where's my biggest motor? What is your mm-hmm. biggest energy consumer? Because that's my biggest potential for saving energy. So that's what you walk in looking at. So what I typically look at is what are your cooling and heating set points? Do you have a dead band? Are you actually overcooling and wasting energy? Um, we try and look at uh, how systems are set up to run. One of the simplest things is schedules. There's a lot of people that don't have the ability to turn their systems and make them into an unoccupied mode when the building's not occupied and do a temperature setback. Um, those are easy savings without a whole lot of changes, right? Right. Um, the other thing that really comes into play is you have to analyze them as systems, right? It's very, you don't typically look at um, 
uh, an air handling unit without what it's connected to or the spaces that it's serving. So you have to understand it, it, that it works as a system. Right. And so then you want to try and understand how many optimization strategies are part of that, right? Um, it's a matter of using those strategies while maintaining the same level of comfort that they've come to expect and being able to have the system do less to, to do that. Um, one of the great ones is you see supplier temperature reset, but it's a dynamic static pressure reset. You move air to the space to, to provide cooling or heating. If one space needs less air, what typically happens is a damper slightly closes off. And it's kind of like when you would kink the hose a little bit as a kid and you get less water. Right. Well, the fan ramps up, so you use the same amount of energy. Well, what if I slowed that fan down to accommodate what my system's actually asking for? Hmm. And, and so if you do that, you use a lot less energy. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's an overall approach. At times, it becomes a little bit more of an art than science when you're trying to find energy savings in an operating building because you still have to keep their comfort, noise level, all the other expectations while, you know, um, modifying a system to improve it. You know, it's so complicated. I mean, you know, and I, I there, there's no, there's nobody I know, none of my clients has the ability to walk around and figure that stuff out on their own, you know? So what do they do? I mean, do they, they can call in, you know, you know, companies like yours, you know, at Hanson, they can, I mean, I guess there's, uh, you know, I guess their, their local utilities provide maybe free inspections or services. What do, what do you recommend? So there are a lot of the local utilities will do what they call as a level one audit. Um, and that audit kind of benchmarks your energy, how your, your building is using energy compared to buildings that are like yours. And let me, interrupt, uh, then, let me interrupt yeah. you on that. I mean, is that, is that worthwhile? I mean, do, are these guys legit when they're doing this or is it, you know, again, I mean, I mean, a lot of my clients would be like, I don't trust the utility companies. They're out there to figure out ways to charge you more money. And, and so that's, that's the thing, right? So that's a, that's a high, that's a beginning level of should I, right? You almost want to benchmark uh, a little bit of your building so that, you know, do I need to worry about it? Right. Especially right. if you have your own building stock, right. then when you realize, okay, this one seems like it's out of, out of line then let's bring in a, a professional, a commissioning professional, design and engineer uh, to evaluate those systems and look for those savings. Um, I, I like to say commissioning professional, not just because of what I do, but it, it really is my day-to-day -day job is trying to make systems work better um, to identify, to do what the owner wants. And that could be safety, but a lot of times it's energy. Um, and so I like to say to go to that professional. The other reason is, is I don't sell parts and pieces. I sell my brain power. I sell my time. Sure. Um, and so I'm going to give you all the ideas I can come up with because I'm not necessarily making profit on selling you a widget that may or may not really help you. And so I'm going to give you the ideas that I would do myself. I mean, I, you know, a lot of these things I look at is, okay, if these were my dollars, what would I be recommending? Um, and so that, that, and, and personally from that aspect, you can do more of an ASHRAE level two energy audit. You can get more into the retro commissioning. Um, where you're actually testing and looking at systems and how are they functioning. Um, a lot of those, the lower level ones, end up being a little bit more deferred maintenance or your equipment's really old and you need to replace it as opposed to, we'll look at the sequences and say, oh, hey, you've got a set point here, or you've got a timer here, or hey, you could flip this switch and your facility maintenance staff can do that tomorrow and you can start saving money. Um, and that, that does provide a benefit. That's great. Wade Conlon is the Commissioning and Energy Discipline Manager for Hanson Professional Services. Wade, first of all, you've, you're, you're an engineer. You are, uh, you, you've just had a turkey and cheese sandwich, 
and here you are, you communicated with energy and, and you know, with, 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 it was interesting and informative. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not sure you were telling me the truth at the beginning of this conversation on either front. But listen, thank you very much for joining us. It's really great to talk with you. Um, and we'd love to have you back sometime as well uh, to talk about more ways. You know, as, uh, you know, as the infrastructure bill starts flushing itself out, I think there are a lot of things that business owners or business people are going to want to know about it. And uh, it'd be great to rely on you for doing that. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And absolutely anytime. So for those of you guys uh, that want more tips or advice and help running your business, uh, please join us at paychecks.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. You can also get past episodes of our podcast as well. My name is Gene Marks. Thanks so much for joining us and we will see you again next time. This podcast is property of Paychecks Inc. 2021. All rights reserved.